Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3-5, through 5, and it says this. It says, though, though we walk after the flesh, or in the flesh, we're not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. I want to talk to you today about changing your mindset, uh, how to change your mindset. We get our minds set on one thing. You ever met someone that is just stubborn or actually let me let me rephrase that anyone in the room stubborn raise your hand if you're you're the stubborn one okay we've got a lot of honest people here today uh, once we get set in our ways it's hard to change that mindset uh, but that can be problematic but it's possible to change our mindset and until we're willing to change our mindset we're never going to see the kind of change in our life that leads to godly growth so i'm just going to throw a bunch of stuff out here today got some scriptures that i think really work well together Uh, My goal, I don't know about you, but when I go into a church service, I'm praying that the Lord reveals some stuff about my life that might be a little tough to hear. Uh, But don't you know that most things uh, that are painful and tough to hear uh, in in a positive way, you you rarely ever get great results without going through a little bit of pain. So sometimes when we hear God speaking things that are tough to hear, that means he wants to do something brand new in us. Uh, And I believe he's going to do that same thing with you today. So let me pray and I'll get right into the message. Father, thank you for your faithfulness and your goodness. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to continue to move in this service. Uh, Move deep in the hearts of people today. Move deep in my life today. Uh, Give me wisdom on how to share this message in a way that will honor you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. So this idea about mindsets, I get set in my ways also. And um, I find myself running up against the same issues over and over again. Uh, until I'm willing to confront that particular issue. Uh, as I've looked at some pictures lately, I'm, I'm going back in old family Christmas pictures and things like that, I notice, and I haven't really thought about this too much, like, like overtly, but I've lost about 42 pounds in the last two years, like two years ago at Christmas. I'm, I'm not saying this so everyone will be like, oh, yes, you're amazing or something. That's not the reason, but uh, I mean, it just looking back at old photos, you know, it, it's just like, whoa, okay, that was, that's a little bit different there. And I had, a, you know, many years where I, I just was the same every year, never changed too much. But I thought, what was different this time that, that uh, kind of caused me to make some changes in, in my life and what I was doing, some habits and things like that? It, it, I'll tell you something that caused me to change my mindset, which actually caused some change in my life. I have a friend that sent me a picture of a guy that he saw in a restaurant. And he goes, dude, I saw you in a restaurant today. He was being sarcastic. It was this guy that was like this huge guy. Uh, I was so mad, though, because this guy actually did look like me in this picture. Uh, this, he was like, he was, and the guy was like laughing. Like he put all these laughing emojis. He's like, ha, ha, ha. And I was so mad because I was like, oh, gosh, that actually really does look like me. It's so, I was like, I'm never eating again for the rest of my life. Uh, so I sort of said that like joking to him. Uh, but that day, 
I was like, man, I gotta, you know, I gotta switch from like 10 Oreos a day to like eight. Like, I'm gonna have to like, something's gotta happen here that's dramatic uh, in, in order for me to get to where I'm going. So like, I just started developing some changes. I, I did some intermittent fasting, started playing a lot of golf, you know, riding my bike a lot, just, just things that were, were different that over years has added up to make some changes. But something had to change in my mind before I was able to see change that other people could notice. So something had to change on the inside of me. So I guess I would say that the, the, the pain of remaining the same has got to be greater than the pain that you're possibly going to experience by trying to change something. So the pain of staying the same was too much for me to just remain there. I said, there's going to be some pain to change all these things, but it's not going to be as great as just staying where I am right now. You understand what I'm saying? So we have to get to the place in our life, if we're ever going to change, where the pain of remaining the same is just too much. And maybe you're going through something in your life that you feel stuck. Well, I just want to encourage you today. The Bible is, is, is so uh, filled with scriptures that motivate us as believers to take control of the way we think. I know it's tough to change. I know that there are some things in your life and your family and your personal life and the way you treat people or the triggers in your life, things that cause you to respond to other people, attitudes that just come flowing out of you. I know some of those things are generational in the sense uh, of your parents did it and their parents did it. You guys ever heard that story about the woman who's cooking the ham and you know she cuts the end off of the ham and then throws it in the garbage can, and her, her daughter says, Mom, why did you just cut the end of the ham off? And you cut a huge portion of that and throw it in the garbage can. She goes, well, you know, my, my mom always did it that way. And, and she said, oh, well, you know, her grandmother was still alive, so the little girl went to the, the mother and said, you know, Grandma, why did you always cut the end of the ham off and throw it away? And the grandma said, well, my mom always did that. And she says, well, wow, that's... I'm." Thank God that my great-grandmother is still alive. And so she went to her great-grandmother. She had a great-grandmother. Why did you always cut the end of the ham off and throw it away? She said, well, I never had a pan that was big enough to fit the whole ham. So I just, so is it interesting that, that generationally, sometimes we just do things that our family did because they did them. And some, some people, your uncle's in jail, your great-uncle's in jail, your great-great-uncle's in jail, and, and all for the same thing. And no, nobody ever bothers to address the mindset. Are you here today? To address the mindset of the family. And, and a lot of people call that generational curses and things like that. And I do understand that there is a strong spiritual battle going on. But I I would first start by saying, have you ever addressed the mindset that your family has slipped into, the way you talk to each other, uh, the, the, the things that you allow in your world that could contribute to demonic forces or, or spiritual strongholds? I think first you got to start with addressing the mindset. And, you know, we have to understand the Bible says straight up, don't be conformed to the system of the world. And, and I like that, I like the analogy for this word, it's syscom, syscomite, syscom, <laughs> there you go, syscomite, <laughs> I don't know if I can, I did it in the first service, let's just play the replay, will you guys replay the first service real quick, syscomatizo, that's the Greek word. Uh, 
And what that means is, uh, it's kind of the analogy, the, the, the word picture is pouring, and I, I sometimes when I use this idea, of course I pronounce it better every time, of remember the old ice trays? We pour the water into the ice trays and then you kind of walk across, you know, to the freezer, you don't want to spill anything. Uh, that's a great one, but I'm going to use a different one today because I'm a little hungry right now. I'm going to use uh, chocolate bunnies, okay? So, actually, actually, forget that. Let me use one even way better than that. Reese's Christmas trees. Have you ever eaten one of these things? Reese's cup Christmas trees. There's like way more peanut butter in there. And I meet people all the time that they're like, you know, I, you know you're, you're my pastor, I just don't know, you know what to do. I don't know if I'm supposed to buy you a Bible or just to let you know, I'm thinking about you. Buy those, okay? If you want to buy something from me, Reese's Christmas trees. I'll only eat one a week because I got to, you know what I'm saying? I got to work on this. But those are some good things. But in order to make those trees in that mold, there has to be a mold, right? It doesn't just randomly appear. There's got to be a mold. You create a mold and then you pour something into the mold. That's what that word means in the Bible. It says, don't be conformed like a chocolate bunny into this mold and just be what the world wants you to be. And if we live our lives by default and just get out of bed every day, we'll fall into the same bad habits that produced a poor result yesterday and we will continue living in that life until we challenge the mindset. Somebody say out loud, challenge the mindset. Don't be conformed, it says, but be transformed. I love that word, that metamorpho. I can pronounce that one. Metamorpho is the Greek word there. And that means literally to be transfigured from one thing to something that is better. It's a transformation process. God says, don't be poured into the mold. If, if you are a chocolate bunny, you're going to get your ears bit off. Okay, that's terrible. But, but you, that, the concept is that if you keep living your life in the mold that the world is pouring you into, you're going to experience poor results. Instead, transform your thinking every single day. You say, but you just don't know my personality. I know your personality can be tweaked. I know your thought process can change if you want it to. I know when the pain of remaining the same outweighs the potential pain of change, I know you can do it, especially with the grace of God in your life. You can do it. You can learn to be more kind. Someone say amen. amen. You can learn to be more caring. Someone say amen. amen. You can learn to be more giving. Someone say amen. amen. We can, these, these are things that we can change in the name of Jesus. We don't have to live our life and say, well, I just... You know, I, I'm not very patient. You might not be patient, but you can ask the Lord to help you change. You can change your mindset. You change your mindset, you change your life. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. See, we got a lot of people out there resisting the devil. And they think that's the, the goal, is resisting the devil. I resist you. I defy you. I rebuke you. But you forgot the first part. The first part says, Submit yourself to God. See, you skip the part that's actually hard. Resisting the devil. Anybody can resist the devil. But if you haven't submitted yourself to God, you don't have the power and the authority to resist the devil effectively. you got to submit your will. you got to submit your heart to the Lord. 
You say, well, why are you preaching at me today? Well, because I don't want us to fall into the same traps that our parents and our grandparents did, the generations that preceded us. I want us to break free, and I want to start in a place where my kids start from a higher place than I started from. Can I get an amen from someone here today? I want to move forward into new territory. I don't want to get caught up in the same old junk. And I also got to take some responsibility that the temptations that I deal with are not forced on me from some outside source. Now, you're not going to like this. You may want to go to the bathroom right now, okay? You're not going to like this. You may want to switch back to Netflix for just a second and come back in two minutes. Because this is not going to be something you're going to enjoy. But this is just the Bible. It's just true. Because we have a tendency to want to really put a lot of blame on other people for our problems. We blame a lot of people. Oh, they, they triggered this. They did this. They said that. They shouldn't have gone there. You don't know what I've been through. And you don't know my story and my history. And you didn't. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and you know what? At the end of the day, and I'm not, I'm not trying to say that there are not things that we do that offend people and hurt people. Certainly they are. But I'm just saying, if your MO is blaming all of your issues on other people, this scripture really flies in the face of that. James 1.13 says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. So certainly don't make it an issue where you think God is the one that is throwing all these things your way. He says, for he, God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Here's the part that we don't like. But each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desire." And enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. What that means is that the struggles that we face are not even really directly from the devil. See, our problem is not always. Sometimes people are trying to cast demons out of bushes that are in their front yard. And you need to start getting control over your thought life first. It's not the demon that's in the bush that's the problem. It's the devil that you've allowed in your head that's the problem. That comes by the way of your own thought process. Your ways of thinking as a Christian are way more dangerous than the devil is to you. Because you have been given all authority over the enemy. But you've got to take authority over your own thought process you got to take authority over what you will allow in your own life. And that's what it's saying. It's saying that those temptations are not from the outside. And we love to blame things on people. We love to blame people. Can I tell you something? You can't, if, if, if you're, you know, if you need to lose 15 pounds, don't blame your wife for baking cookies. Amen. <laughs> blame yourself for eating too many cookies. Can I get an amen? Well, she made them. Well, you ate them. You ate them. It, it ain't her fault. She can bake all the cookies she wants. Why? Because she's one of them annoying people that can eat five cookies and gain no weight. But I'm a person. You ever notice, I don't understand this about weight, but you ever notice that I just don't get it. If I weighed a cookie on a scale, it will probably weigh about, I don't know, a quarter of a pound. But how is it scientifically possible that if I eat that cookie, I will gain two pounds? I don't understand. That's scientifically, does that confuse anyone else? I will gain two pounds from something. That's demonic. That is demonic. We need to cast the devil out the cookies. I take all that back. We got to take, we, we take control of the devil over our food. <laughs> but I think the thing about the scripture that, that is really tough to deal with, and I say I don't like it, or I say you're not going to like it because the bottom line is I don't like it, is the temptation comes from within me. 
So, so your, your struggle is not, you know, all about the devil. It's stuff for whatever reason. And I don't know why we're each tempted with the things that we're tempted with. What's interesting is the person next to you might struggle or be tempted with something that doesn't affect you at all. At all. So we have to deal with those mindsets. We have to take control over those mindsets. We can't be poured in that chocolate bunny mold every day. We got to break out of that and get transformed in Jesus' name. Can I get an amen from someone? So I'm going to give you a couple of ideas here. Anybody having fun today in church? I'm having a good time. I, I like this so far. I think, I think we're going somewhere. Give you a couple of uh, cool experiments that I, I, I read about that were done from psychologists. And uh, just so you know, I mean, when I'm teaching or, or preaching God's word, I take it uh, very seriously. I, th- I think the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints in them, the morrows and discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I agree with that more than anybody in the world. I believe it. But sometimes when I'll use examples of things like this, what I'm trying to show you is that when you research these things out, you'll find that the Bible is not just empirically true on its own, that other people test these principles out in a secular atmosphere. They'll find the same principles, but not the truth behind it. We've got the truth behind these things. So, so sometimes I like using these examples, like, for instance, Harvard professor Dr. Ellen Langer did this large uh, psychology experiment, and this was a really elaborate, incredible experiment uh, where she did test subjects that were around 80 years old. And what she was trying to test is how to get people uh, feeling confident and being able to perform at the highest level of their capacity at that age when many of them had already sort of given up on the idea that their best was in front of them. So what they did is they took a group of people and kept them staying together in a modern setting, sort of like a, just a community where they had regular things going on, activities, uh, cafeteria, living in the same space, but they had all modern conveniences. But then they, she took a different group of people and put them together, but decorated the facility with all 1950s, uh, stuff from the 1950s and 1960s from the time period where they were in their prime, their prime, where they were the most confident in their life. So every picture of themselves that was hung on the wall, they took out all the mirrors. There were no mirrors in the, in the building whatsoever. And they put all pictures up of them when they were in their prime. Music from when they were in their prime. TV shows from when they were prime. And what they started noticing is this literally just within a couple of hours, people started kind of bouncing around a little bit. People were singing the songs. People were interacting. There was like a confidence level that started rising up in people. Did you know that over the course of the experiment that their actual vision, I'm talking about seeing, like reading letters and numbers from far away, began to improve, that scientifically it improved by 10%. Just being in an atmosphere of confidence where they felt good. Did you know that people that started looking at photos of test group A, who was in the modern uh, modern situation, and test group B, which was in their kind of in their heyday or their prime, when they looked at photos of them after the experiment, people rated the group two that was in the 1950s as looking on an average three to four years younger than the people that were in group A. Why? They had a different mindset. Now, I'm not telling you, 
you know, go dress like Madonna right now. You know, and it's going to change your life, uh, you know, <laughs> if, you, if you graduated in 1989 or something. That's not the point. Uh, what I'm saying is, it, it, what I'm trying to use as an illustration is this changed these people's vision. It actually improved their vision. I believe there are some people here today that God wants to rejuvenate your spiritual vision today. I believe he can improve your spiritual vision if you get the right mindset today. You start believing that your best days are in front of you. Your best days are not behind you. God is not done with you yet. And you may be in a situation where things are not working out so well, but what did these people in this experiment do? They went back to a time where things were better for them or they felt more confident or, or they felt more capable of making a difference in society. And it, and it kind of raised their level of expectation about what they could do now. Did you know one of the things I thought was cool about this group is it said these people were like over 80 years old. At the end of the experiment, just randomly, they came up with an impromptu touch football game out on the front lawn of the place that they were at. 80-year-olds playing football. Isn't that cool? I want to go there. I want to do that with them. That's, that sounds so fun. Like so just excited about life. Think about how your mindset can make a difference. Look at someone next to you say, change your mindset. Want to hear another cool experiment? Come on, do you want to hear one? I mean, I'll, I'll go on and go to something else if you don't like this stuff. I mean, I'll work trying to find all this. Uh, this guy, John Barr, uh, came up with a really interesting experiment, which I thought was very creative uh, because I, I would be the one to fall for something like this. But he got people together and gave them an assignment, uh, two different groups, and, and they were supposed to take five words and make a four-word sentence out of the five words, like one of the words didn't belong. So like in group one, he would say, you know, makes sunlight, raisins, makes, or wrinkle temperature. And so you would have to make the sentence, sunlight makes raisins wrinkle out of those words, and you would throw out the word temperature because that doesn't work within this, the four-word sentence. So group one would had all these lists with these words, and they had to work on making this sentence. Well, group two had a list of words that sounded like this. Him was worried she always. Okay, so in that list of words, you have to make the sentence, she was always worried. Okay, and he, him was not supposed to be in the sentence. Well, if you'll notice, those types of challenges don't sound that different at first, but one is just talking about raisins and, you know, wrinkling in the sunlight, pretty benign thing, but another one is talking about someone's worried. So what he was actually studying was not whether they could put these sentences together. What he was studying is that group one who had all these positive things about the sky is blue and all these different things, he was testing how they would respond when he asked them to take their test down to the end of the hall and to give it to the, the person at the end of the hall. They had someone that was stepping in, interrupting them, giving their paper to the person. And what he was doing is was seeing if the words that they used in the study, positive words or negative words, affected their attitude when interrupted by someone and they were assigned to give a task. He was really studying their attitude. He wasn't studying their ability to put words together. What they found is that it was extraordinary. The people who had all the positive words 
never interrupted. And every time they were supposed to give their test, this person would step in the way and say, hold on, i got to deal with this. And some people waited up to 20 minutes and never interrupted. But the group that was given all of the trigger words like worried, uh, stress, problems, things like that, every one of them was interrupting in under five minutes was saying, hey, I'm supposed to give this thing to the... Isn't that interesting? That just the words that they were primed with, negative words, primed them scientifically to change their behaviors and attitudes. How much garbage do we put in our life? How much access do we give to negative things that are deeply affecting us on a subconscious level? Those people didn't go down there and say, oh, you know, the thing said she was worried, so I'm worried. No one consciously thought that. They had all these these things underneath them on a subconscious level that was triggering behaviors and emotions that, that they probably didn't want triggered in their life. So how many things do we let in our lives that really don't belong there. We have to get control of our mindset. Our mindset really determines our future, church. And you know, Romans, excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses, verse 3 through 5, I read it at the beginning. It says, we walk after the flesh. We're not warring after the flesh. And it says, our weapons are not of the flesh, but they're mighty through God. And the weapons that we've been given spiritually, listen what it says there for is to destroy arguments. Where do arguments come from? Your brain, your thinking. To destroy every lofty opinion. Where do stubborn opinions come from? Your thinking. Raised against the knowledge of God. Where does knowledge come from? Your thinking. And to take every thought captive to obey Christ. Where do thoughts come from? It's your thinking. Notice how militant that is, waging war, weapons of warfare, power, strongholds, captive. There's a war going on every day for your thoughts. Are you winning that war? Are you falling back so easily into that same pattern of behavior that got you where you are in your marriage? Can I just tell you something? If you were mean yesterday to your family and it didn't work, it's not going to work today either. We have to be willing to address those things in our lives. If we're ever going to break those generational issues that have caused our family to behave this way, now us behaving this way, I got news for you. Your kids are going to behave that way too until you put your foot down and say, in Jesus' name, no, this is not who I am. I have to take control and take captivity over those thoughts. Destroy, we destroy arguments, we destroy opinions, we destroy all those things in Jesus' name. Okay, now, here's the deal. I believe firmly and with all my heart that people hype up the devil uh, more than they should. Uh, I, I think the devil is absolutely... Uh, uh, I mean, not only the devil, but I mean, demonic forces are all around us. And I think that the, the, the secret to, to, to defeating the devil is, is in that quick scripture that we, that we had right there. Submit yourselves to God and resist the devil. I believe that when we have the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through us because we've submitted our lives to God, I believe there's such authority in our lives that we can look directly at him and say, hey, get behind me. But I believe that there's some level 
of when we have our lives submitted to God, I believe we're frustrating to the devil. I believe he comes around us. See, now here's the thing is when you won't address your own thinking, I believe the devil comes around sometimes to certain people and he goes, yeah, let me mess with Jeff today. And he sees that my thinking is no different than it was yesterday. He's like, ah, I'm gonna go mess with somebody else. Jeff has already messed up with the thing he was messed up with yesterday. He don't need me. He's doing fine on his own. Are you following me? So I think sometimes we make it more about fighting the devil than we do addressing the, the deep level systemic problems that are in our brain and in our thought process that cause us to experience the same failure over and over. So what do we need to do? I'm going to give you three quick points today. Uh, number one, feed your mind with truth. Feed your mind with truth. Can I just beg you to do something as a Christian? I'm, everyone that's watching online, everyone that's in this room, I'm just begging you as a pastor please take notes in church. Please, please. I, I mean, even if you don't do it in church for whatever strange reason, I mean, I don't know why we wouldn't uh, because we don't, we probably don't have the whole Bible memorized. Uh, I mean, you may trust me and that's, I appreciate that. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that everyone that allows me to be their pastor and to encourage them and to lead them. But I don't think that I would trust anyone uh, to just take everything that they're saying at, you know, as it's the gospel truth without checking it. I mean, if I'm saying something, you need to go read it. And then when you read it, you say, yes, pastor, that'll help you say amen even more when you go, yes, pastor's preaching the Bible. He's preaching the truth. And then you read it for yourself and you become informed and you learn. And what you're doing is you're, you're conditioning your mind to be aligned with God's word and his will. Feed your mind with truth. Read the Bible. Listen to podcasts that glorify God. Listen to things that honor his name. Listen to scripture. You can go on, online and just listen to scripture. Uh, you know, version app. Download the version app if you don't have a Bible and, and you just want to hear God's word and read God's word. Feed your mind on a regular basis. Read books that lift up and glorify God. Get voices in your life that have a, a godly mindset and open your life up to voices that matter and that mean something for the kingdom. Shut your mind off and your ears off from negativity in your life. You have to feed your mind with truth because whatever you're feeding your life with is what is being cultivated in your world. And I, that leads us to point number two, free your mind from the flesh. Get, get the garbage out of your life. Do you have temptations and things that, that get you back in old ways of thinking? You know, I mean, I used to have a friend who, who you know, I went to St. Cloud High School back a long time ago in the 80s, and... Um, I had this one guy who, he goes, I have a fighting problem. He's, he's, he's a real southern, well, he's a redneck kind of guy. He's my buddy, though. He said, I have a fighting problem. I said, well, what, you know, what do you think triggers that? He goes, well, drinking. I said, well, what do you think triggers the drinking? He said, going to a bar. I said, well, you ever thought about not going to the bar? He goes, that's probably a good idea. <laughs> and so are you following me there? Like certain patterns of behavior that, that one thing leads to another thing. If you could just kind of trace back what causes those things to happen in your life and say, man, maybe I shouldn't 
do this. Maybe this is something that leads me to make bad decisions here. And when we go and trace those things and we, we free ourselves, and can I tell you something? We need to run away from sin. Run away from temptation. I like what Joseph did. Joseph was like running Potiphar's house. And Potiphar had like this, I don't know, he had like one of these, his wife was like one of the housewives of, Sunset, you know, Sunset Boulevard or OC, whatever these ladies are, one of these like cougar, like older ladies, it's like hitting on these young dudes. This lady's cougan on Joseph while he's running this house. She's trying to hook up with this guy and literally grabs his clothes. Like is trying to like get with this dude, grabs him. He's like, ah, he's like, get away from me. And she's probably beautiful. She's, you know, sophisticated. She's wealthy. And he's just this guy that's, gifted by God and he's wise and God this stuff. And dude, I mean, the Bible says he's gotten, I don't know why, he, he guess he had his underwear on or something. He didn't have nothing on under it. And he just took off running. He's like, you can have it. He's like, I don't even want it back. Just keep it. He just ran, just, ah, just running away. Can I just tell you something? Get, get the things that are in your life that are wrong. Get them out of your life. Run from them. Just get away from them. Just, just run. You know, if, if you've made decisions in your life and you've broke patterns of behavior it, and, and you, you, have, you have made decisions, like for instance, there are some people that when it comes to substances, you know, you've quit drinking or you quit smoking. Or, I mean, I talked with someone just recently who told me, hey, pastor, he said, I quit smoking. After all these years, I finally quit smoking. I was so proud because that's like a journey that he's been on. And he said, I, and one day I just made a decision I'm not gonna do it anymore. Well, how many people know if you've quit smoking, it might make it easier for you to not be around other people that smoke or to not be in a position where that tempts you. Maybe that means don't go to that particular night with certain friends that are all smoking in that situation. You might have to draw some boundaries in order to keep the victory that God has given you in your life. You're gonna have to make some tough decisions in your life if you're ever get, gonna get that kind of victory. So free your mind from the flesh. Be like Joseph if you have to, run. And then I would say last, just focus your mind on hope. You know, that little analogy, that little experiment that we saw about those positive words and those negative words, fill your mouth with the praises of the Lord. Choose to wake up every day and say, Father, I bless you today. Today is a wonderful day. I'm going to serve you today. I'm going to win for the kingdom today. Speak it out loud. Say, I choose life today. I choose peace today. I choose hope today. Man, I sound like a, I sound like a, a, a younger Joel Osteen up here today. I like this today. I, I'm just speaking all that. I'm speaking all that positivity today. I, I, that's one thing I do love, though, is he's always talking about hope. He's always talking about those positive things. I, I just think there's some merit in our lives to keeping hope in our mouth keeping hope in our heart, keeping hope in our mind and our thought process. Overwhelm negative people with hope. That's the way you win those situations. What happens is you will say something hopeful and they say, yeah, but that doesn't last. Then you, you go, okay, well, I got to come up with something else. Yeah, but God is faithful. Yeah, but look at who, what happened to this person. He was a Christian. Look what he did. Well, yeah, well, look what God is doing in me. I used to live a, a bad life too, and he's turned my heart around. You just keep coming back every time with something hopeful. Don't let them win. 
Don't let them end the conversation on something negative. You just put something, if all you can come up with is, well, God's good. Just say that over and over again. You just come back and you overwhelm it with hope. Somebody say overwhelm them with hope. Amen. I'll close out with Romans 8, 5 through 8. It says, those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Stop setting your mind and your thought process and your thinking on the old way of doing things. That old way of doing things might be criticizing everything about everyone. Everywhere you go. Oh, you've been to this restaurant? Oh yeah, the food's good, but man, I went there and the server didn't even smile at me one time. One refill. One. I sat there the whole time. I mean, look, I mean, if this has become your way of living your life where, you know, you're invalidating entire groups of people or places or organizations or based on one negative thing, you're allowing some negativity to affect your overall attitude. How about being the kind of person saying, yeah, that's a, that had some really good food. Had one experience there that I don't know if it might not even be the normal thing, but other than that, that's a really good place. That, that's a different mindset, isn't it? Than, than coming out and leading with something negative in your life. If you want to live that way, you're going to be stuck in that jail for the rest of your life. But I'm encouraging you today in Jesus' name. There's a better way from us. Don't be a bunny. You'll get your ears bit off. Uh, don't be poured in that mold, but be transformed today in the name of Jesus to who God wants you to be. Amen. Amen. Well, the Lord loves you today. He sure cares for you no matter who you are. I thank you so much for being here in church. I thank you for the opportunity to be able to, to share the word of God with you. I don't think the Bible, guys, uh, just so you things. I do believe it is truly inseparable from who God is. He is his word. His word is truly alive today. I believe it's the only thing that has the power to give us hope and change our lives. So I'm just encouraging you today. Let some of this stuff sink in a little bit. Let it stir you up to believe that God has something better for you this week than he did last week. If you just let him work it out in your life, I believe something powerful is going to happen in your life this week. So those of you that are watching online, those of you that are here in this room that do not know Jesus. Maybe you've never invited Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. That's the thing that we need the most is just to submit ourselves to the Lord and to for, ask God to forgive us if we haven't lived a life that's pleasing to us. I'll tell you, I'm a little bit over on my time. and I'm sorry for that. But I do want to tell you one quick thing, one quick story. I met someone recently that told me they were a good person when I was talking to them out in public. And it was kind of a reasoning why they shouldn't come to church said I'm a good person and I think that that sometimes can be very misleading for us because we start looking at our lives and comparing it to people who we don't think is a good person and maybe someone is a murderer they've done something terrible externally that we can measure by ourselves we say well I'm a good person compared to this well I think the the problem with that thinking is do we really have the right to rate whether we're good or not, because you can only judge whether something is good or bad based on whether it fulfills the expectations and the purpose it was created for. So if you don't know what a 
a, a nice luxury sedan is and you're this barbarian and you find this luxury sedan and you, you you know figure out how to drive it and you need to get wood from here to there you may haul wood with this like nice luxury sedan that's meant for cruising at smooth speeds on the highway and being fuel efficient and having all these you know entertainment things on the inside it's it's created for luxury but you may be hauling stuff around with it in your mind that may be the greatest tool of hauling stuff in the world you might go across fields and it's getting all beat up and the everything's getting bent up but it's working because it's better than anything you've ever seen so you may say this is the best hauling device that's ever been created but you don't know the purpose it was created for you can't say it's good if you're not the one who made it unless it's living up to the purpose it was created for it can't be good and i got news for you you were created for a purpose and that purpose was to lift up and glorify Jesus so we can't judge our own lives on whether we're good or not only God can do that and the only way he will ever give us a judgment that is pleasing is if Jesus is the Lord of our lives so today if you're here or watching online this concludes the teaching if you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life click on the give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.